0: You talk about uh, cooking. I don't know anything about cooking, but I do understand eating. The ultimate reason you cook, I think, and and with food you have basic ingredients and you have spices. Right? Spices uh, add to it, and make it better. Uh, I I would think a basic ingredient is milk and chocolate is a spice, right? A basic food and essential is ice cream and a spice is chocolate. Do you see a pattern coming here? Uh, But you who do cook, you understand, and all of you who eat understand, there are certain things that you have to have if you're going to have a potato casserole, you need potatoes. And there's other things that just flavor it up and make it better. And we're concluding our series on spiritual growth this evening. And we're going to look at one, what I would call a spice. It may be an essential, really, but it certainly is something that will help your spiritual life a lot. And we're going to look at four things. We kind of bring everything together this evening that are absolutely essential. If you're going to continue to know Jesus Christ more and grow in your relationship with jesus christ if you 're a christian there 's nothing more important than knowing Christ and growing in your relationship with him i 'm going to use a lot of different scriptures this evening, so you might write them down or follow on the screen but let 's begin with this. This is, would be a spice, I guess, and that 's read good Christian books. How can I grow in my relationship with Jesus? How can I continue developing my relationship with Jesus? One way is you start reading good Christian books. I love first excuse me second Timothy. Four thirteen. Listen to what it says. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. My books says what it says. He, other translations, it uses the word scrolls. Those were books. And then he says my papers. So probably a, a clearer understanding of that. He was saying bring me my parchments. The parchments were what we would say, papers that were made of animal skin or sheep skin. And that was his Old Testament. That was his Bible. Listen to what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, hey, when you come to see me, bring me my books and my Bible. Don't you like that? Isn't that a, a, a neat thing? And I think it's a very revealing thing uh, that, that Paul, who God used to write, At least 13 books in the New Testament was an avid reader. I mean, if you know much about Paul and you read much of Paul, you know that's true. Uh, A a journalist said years ago, and I agree with this statement, he said reading is a basic tool to living a good life. You don't have to read to live, but if you want to live a better life, you need to read. I would tell you this this evening, you don't ever have to read a Christian book to... Uh, to be a Christian, but if you want to live the best Christian life, why not add things to it that will make you better? Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, I want to share with you a few things about reading books that I've learned that I think are very helpful in, in how to read or what to read. First, just begin with this. Read, uh, read a daily devotional book. Read a daily devotional book. Many, many good ones out there. I I like to encourage people to get experiencing God day by day by Henry Blackaby. It's a very good one. Billy Graham has written several. One of his was called Unto the Hills." which is very good. Now there's so many daily devotionals on the internet, it's so easy. Many of our our church members write for the e-thoughts that you can get and you can read through those. And once a person gets, you probably need a little bit of spiritual development, but one of the greatest all-time devotional books is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. If you've never read that, once you Grow a little bit in the faith. That is a great one. That's the kind of daily devotion you will read one page eight times because it is so deep. It's so much to chew on. But find you a good daily book to read. Here's the second part of this. Man, we just need to read good books regularly. We need to read good Christian books regularly. I, again, to, to quote this verse, and Paul said, Bring me my books and especially my papers the scrolls the parchments bring me my bible but also it's interesting paul said bring me my books paul was a reader when clayton and i were in seminary i don't see clayton he may be out roaming around the building clayton are you here in there, there's mary I don't see Clayton, but Clayton and I had a class. I remember this 1986. It was a summer class called Systematic Theology. That is a very difficult class, and Clayton and I sitting beside each other probably did not help us in our grades. I'm convinced I would have made an A if he hadn't been in there, but I made a B. And We had a professor who had two PhDs, uh, and and he, was a, he was a foreigner, and he did not speak good English. So it was very difficult. He had a brilliant man who was from, from uh, somewhat Germany or somewhere, but, but a wonderful class. His grader was a very interesting guy, too. His grader was named Ernie. I still remember this. And Ernie was a very scholarly guy. And one time in class, someone asked, Ernie, how many books do you read a week? A week. And Ernie said, Four. Four books a week, and he wasn't being arrogant or cocky. You ever read four books in a week? (laughs) That's impressive. Here's a great book that you ought to read that will help you with reading. It's by Pat Williams, who was an NBA executive for years, a wonderful Christian man. The title of the book is Read for Your Life. Read for Your Life by Pat Williams. Pat Williams says he reads four hours a day that make you feel guilty or like a failure? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Start reading a few minutes a day. People have different strategies. Some people need to start. Maybe you maybe you want to read five pages a day. I have friends that read 50 pages or 100 pages a day. That's a lot of reading. Maybe you're new and you want just five pages. I hate to read. Start at five pages. I like to read with the clock and basically what I do when I go home at night, I try to set aside a certain amount of time for personal Bible reading and, a, and a, a, for personal reading, not for sermons or anything else. I try to read 30 minutes every day out of, a, out of a book. And you know what helps me with that is I don't feel like I'm trying to rush through to get to page 50. When I am read 30 minutes, if I'm ready to stop and play on the Internet or watch TV, I do. If I want to read another 20 minutes, who cares? Maybe you're a new reader, and your goal shouldn't be 30 minutes. Certainly shouldn't be four hours. Maybe it should be just five minutes a day. But I want to I encourage you, get in the habit of reading good books. And here's two types of books I would tell you. One is practical books. Read, read books that are going to help you in your daily Christian life. Now, there's a ton of Christian books out there. Probably 10 come out uh, a day. And you can. I, I remember when I was younger. That was the Hal Lindsey books on the on the end of times, and then it became the Tim LaHaye books. Remember those were fiction? Did you remember that? Uh, but Tim LaHaye wrote all those books, and I'm certainly those are fine to read. But I want to read something that I think is going to help me uh, to be different and to be to be better. So look for look for practical books that will help you in your Christian life. And one last thought on this. Focus on books that are more positive in nature. You can go and you can get Christian books where, where these, uh, boy, I, I t- it just amazes me, these pastors and these writers specialize in criticizing other Christians. You ever seen that? Uh, don't do that. That's not your place. That's not your place. And, and you know what happens? If you fill your mind with that junk, you become the critic, don't you? Now certainly you're going to read some tough books, you're going to read some hard books, but major... In books more that are going to help you and lift you up. Let me, let me give you the names of some books. that. And, and I would love, you can email me, and I'd love to give you some books that, that you can start out if you're, if you're new at this. The Positive Power of Jesus Christ by Norman Vincent Peale is a wonderful, wonderful book. A book called In His Steps. How many of you have heard that book by Charles Sheldon? A very old book about a church that makes a commitment for one year that they're going to live their life like Jesus Lives, a great, great book. Uh, an older book, too, but a very good one. One thing about older books, if it's a good book, it's always a good book. Life's Not Fair, But God Is Good by Robert Schiller is a great book. Life's Not Fair, But God Is Good. You find books by Charles Swindoll or an old preacher, Andrew Murray, good books. Ch- uh, Charles Stanley, wonderful books. I've mentioned these several times, but, but his book, How to Listen to God, and The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Listen, if you're serious about your Christian life, those books will change your life. They, they really will change your life. Max Lucado has written many, many good books. And in fact, folks, there, there's so many good books out there, it, you probably need help finding the ones that will, will touch your heart. But, man, read good books. Isn't it neat that Paul did? I think Jesus was a reader, too. And if you want to, you, you want to really help your spiritual life, Get in the habit of doing that, okay? That's a spice. I think it may be an essential, but it certainly will make you better with Jesus Christ. Let other people inspire you and help you. I can tell you that books have changed my life. I believe they'll change yours too. Let's begin to look at the essentials. I want to grow up in Jesus Christ. What do I need to do? Be a cranky Christian, right? Be critical. Find everything that's wrong. Complain about the pews tonight. None of y'all complain. Everybody's laughed about it. It is funny. Kind of, we could have. I could have told you there's caution tapes over there because Josh fell from the wire, but I didn't want to tell you that. Here's an essential: remain humble, humility, humility. You know why a lot of people have been believers or professing believers for years, but there's no fruit. Attitude's not good. Effectiveness is not good. It's a lack of humility. Humility for a Christian should at least be twofold. Number one, it's before God. I've got to be humble before God. James 4.10. Humble yourself before the Lord. Listen, and He will lift you up in honor. See, we want to lift ourselves up, don't we? We want to be. Here's what God says Bow yourself before me, and I will lift you up. Humble yourself. Matthew 5 3. Man, what a great, good verse. God blesses those who are poor. This isn't talking about financially. Those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Listen, what he's saying is the person that realizes their need for God and never forgets their need for God, that's the one who's going to please God and grow in their relationship with God. This is the best illustration that I can think to share with you. I've shared it before, but you, you need to hold on to this. The spiritual life and the natural life are complete opposites when it comes to growth. In, in dependency. A, a, a baby is born completely dependent, right? They can't feed themselves. They can't go to the restroom and take care of themselves. Uh, they're going to die without nurture, right? And, and if, a, if a child is healthy mentally and physically, The goal is at some point, they become independent, right, parents? And they move out of the house, right, parents? And they pay their bills. I think now the age for that is about 70 in America, but that's okay. That's okay. I I mean, if all my kids moved back home, I'd be happy. Cindy might not be, but I would be. I love having a house full. Spiritually, it's just the opposite. Now, folks, listen to me. This is where we mess up. Spiritual maturity, you become more and more dependent on God, not independent. And we've messed that up. Oh, we've read the books. We've listened to the sermons. I get tickled. Well, I've heard those sermons before. I don't preach the same sermons. You hadn't heard them from me. Well, I've been in church for years. There's people in hell that went to church for 75 years. That doesn't... That's a great thing to be in church, but that's not the thing that's going to make you right with God. And spiritually, the more mature we are, the more we realize we need God. Not the less, the more humble and dependent we're going to be. Never, ever, ever forget that. But humility is twofold. We've got to be humble before others. It's, It's funny to see Christians who would tell you they're humble before God and they're arrogant towards people. They're not humble before God. You can't be cocky before people and humble before God. Doesn't make sense. Titus 3, 2. So many verses. But they must not slander anyone. Good stuff. Don't quarrel. Good stuff. Instead, they should be gentle and show what? True humility towards everyone. Ephesians 4, 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Oliver Wendell Holmes, the great legal mind, Supreme Court justice, said that he thought humility was the greatest of virtues. And I I don't know if he was trying to be funny. He goes, it's really great when it's in you. (laughs) We like humble people. It's just tough being humble, isn't it? St. Augustine said, and I believe he was on to something when he said, humility is the first thing, the second thing, and the last thing. You have nothing without it. And here's the last part of this. See, humility leads to being teachable. Keeps you teachable. John Maxwell was a great preacher and a great leadership expert, and he said the moment you become unteachable, you stop growing. And when you start growing, you start dying. When you stop growing, you start dying. Rhetorical. Don't blurt out your answer unless it's a positive one. Are you teachable? I mean, do you go to your Bible study class? Do you come to the sermons? Do you really want to hear? Are you open? Hey, God himself cannot get through to you if you're not teachable. Do you know that? And the only way you and I will continue to know and grow in Jesus Christ is by remaining humble And remaining teachable. Humility is not an option. It's not a spice. It's an essential. Here's the second essential. And that's we we need to be a giver. We need to be a giver. True Christianity and growth is is not just about knowledge, friend. It's about what we do. And and, and it's about being a giver. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45, listen to what Jesus said. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be what? The slave of everyone else. Ugh, that's not good, is it? How can I run and rule the church if I'm a slave? For even the son of man, even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. That's convicting, isn't it? A slave in Jesus' day, a slave in in modern day today, and there's slaves in parts of the world today. The basic idea of a slave, a slave has no rights. Did you know that? A slave is owned by someone else. Did you know when you said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've ever really said yes to Jesus Christ, you became His slave. We've forgotten that. A lot of times we take ownership back. But, But when I became a Christian, and I became a Christian, and this is neat, 35 years ago tonight, I didn't know what I was doing much, but I knew I was giving my life to Christ. You become his slave. If you're going to grow, you need to be in good books, you need to be humble, but you, you've got to be a generous person. Number one, you give yourself, you, you're giving away of yourself you're going to talk about money in a minute. I might, but listen, it's far bigger than money. It's about you giving away yourself. We live in a day and age, it's gotten worse, not better. It's about my rights, my rights, my rights, my rights. A Christian is about God and other people. It's giving, away of, it's giving away of yourself. It's giving away of your time. I love Jesus, I just don't have time for him. Uh-huh, right. Try that on your spouse if you're married. You know, Jesus is really so cool. I mean, he said, give me one day and you can have six to do whatever you want. Jesus, God could have said, you got, you got one day and I get six. Be tough on the pastors, but if, if, if I'm going to grow, God deserves my time and God does deserve my money. I need to give my money. Give my money and my stuff. The folks I've seen as a a pastor through the years that really are the spiritually mature, the ones that that keep growing and keep moving forward, I guarantee those people are ones who are generous, who are givers, who are, are sacrificial. Because the opposite of maturity is selfishness. In many, many ways, I love dogs, man, dogs are going to be in heaven, dogs are wonderful, dogs are great. My dogs are scared right now with that thunder going on. But the best dogs in the world are selfish our Our, our dogs, when they get a toy, we could have ten toys, then one of them gets one toy, and the fight's on. You know what I'm talking about. Little children, by nature, most of the time are what? They're selfish because they're immature. A part of growing in Jesus Christ is we're givers. These things are supernatural, but but they're also indicators of how we're doing. Here's a fourth thing, or a third essential, and that's be disciplined. Well, that's an ugly word, isn't it? This might be, this and the next one might ultimately be the reasons why a lot of people never grow in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives tales. That's what we do as Christians, isn't it? That's the books we read. Instead, train yourself to be godly. That word train is a great Greek word. It literally means to exercise. We get our English word gymnasium from that word. It's the picture of an athlete training for a competition or for a game. If you are going to grow spiritually, it's not going to happen accidentally. You've got to be intentional and disciplined. Like an athlete exercises, we have to do that spiritually. Now, this may take away from what I'm telling you. I I think Brenda gave me this joke this week. I thought it was pretty cute. A rabbit is very active. They jump around a lot, and they live eight years. A dog's active. It runs around, and it lives 12 years. A turtle does nothing, and they can live to be 150. <laughs> Maybe we got the exercise thing wrong, but we don't have it wrong spiritually. You and I cannot be lazy spiritually and glorify Jesus Christ or grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Lou Holtz is a famous football coach's son, Skip, is our our head coach at Louisiana Tech. And I heard Lou say this years ago. Lou said, if you want to be above average, just be willing to work because the average person's lazy. If you want to shine a little bit, be willing to work. The average person doesn't want to work. Spiritually, that's absolutely the truth. It takes discipline to read your Bible. It takes discipline to pray. It takes discipline to be a giver. And most people don't want to do that. It's impossible for you and I to be who Jesus has called us to be if we're not spiritually disciplined. Folks, remember, it's, it's great to jump high and to shout and, and to show enthusiasm in the service. We need more of that here, not less, but... Ultimately, it's about how straight you walk, not how, how high you jump, and how consistently you walk straight. Discipline is absolutely a key to spiritual growth. And the last thing is obedience. You know, when you talk about spiritual growth, you'd hear people teach, hey, you ought to read your Bible, you need to pray, be in church, have a quiet time. You might even hear them say that you need to be humble. But this is the forgotten one. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Now, I love this kind of switch here. John 15, 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. If I ask you tonight, do you love Jesus? Most of us here would say, absolutely. Then if you go back to John 14, 15, it might scare us. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Hmm, that's a little more difficult, isn't it? Henry Blackaby, I mentioned his devotional. A moment ago, Henry Blackaby, great preacher and writer, said, the only way we ultimately advance in our knowledge and our growth with Jesus Christ is by obedience. By obedience. When you see something in the Bible, you obey it. As the Holy Spirit leads you, you obey it. I know in my own spiritual life, when I can look back at times when... And we all disobey every day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when when there's something in our life we're not giving up or we're not dealing with or we're not obeying God. Listen, here's what happens. Your spiritual growth right there stops. In fact, you begin to go backwards because you quench the Holy Spirit. You lose the joy of your salvation. If you're going to be who God wants you to be obeying him step by step, day by day, is absolutely crucial. I want to ask you in closing, closing this sermon and this series, do you really want to grow in your relationship with Jesus? See, if you do, you can. Isn't that cool? It's absolutely great. If I ask you tonight, do you think you can climb that pole in 10 seconds and touch the ceiling? I'm not sure we have anybody in here that could do that. Many of us could have done it 40 years ago. Some of us will get halfway up the pole and get stuck. we have to call the fire department to get us down. Physically, we're not going to get much better, are we? But spiritually, you can. If you're taking notes or you have a pencil, you ought to write this down. You can be as close to God as you want to be. You can be as close to God as you want to be. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God's not interested in you and me being religious, being self-righteous, being critical. God's interested in us becoming more like his son, Jesus. And you can be as close to God as you want to be. Isn't that wonderful? You can never exhaust it. I want to know God more. You can never exhaust it. You can spend the rest of your life and you'll know him more and more. You can never exhaust it. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. You can, and you can never exhaust it this side of heaven. My challenge to you tonight is will you make a commitment, Christians, to spend the rest of your life chasing after God? Maybe tonight, Christian, where you're standing, I want to challenge you to make that commitment. Maybe you want to come forward and pray with a minister, pray at the altar, but man, make a choice tonight that you want to be everything you can be with Jesus. Maybe you'd like to join our church this evening. We're going to give you the opportunity to in a moment, or you can do it after church. But come and join us. You need a church. That's part of the gig. And you may be here tonight. You may be watching on the Internet, and you're not a Christian. You cannot grow in Jesus until you know him personally. Let us help you find Christ if you need to. The cool thing and the scary thing about all I just said, it's all about your choices now. Will you make the right ones? Let's stand. God leads you. You come. We'll be waiting.